This is the Daily Dispatch podcast with your business correspondent, Ted Keenan. Today, Dispatch Live is talking to uh, Professor Siabongam Kunyelwa uh, from uh, the Faculty of Business Science at Walter Sisulu University, uh, who happens to be an entrepreneur as well, you know, combining academia and entrepreneurship. Well, entrepreneurship is the focus that we're going to be looking at today. How many students have you got? <laughs> we roughly got about first year students. There's about plus minus 48 uh, students. Uh, well, I say plus minus 48 because some they deregister along the way. Uh, they lose interest and some continue at first year. Second year, there's about plus minus 45 odd. At third year, there's 35 students at advanced diploma level. There's about 18 students. How many of those would you estimate, and this is obviously a guesstimate, yeah. would become entrepreneurs or would be lured into government where there's great salaries and there's no risk? Yeah, no, great question, Ted. I think um, entrepreneurship in South Africa is not getting the amount of attention that it ought to be getting. Uh, to be quite frank, there's a, there's a very... Uh, you know, they're less likely to choose entrepreneurship. Uh, they're more concerned about securing maybe a cushy office job in government as opposed to starting their own ventures. And, and I think that's what the country is currently grappling with. Um, uh, people don't want to venture out in creating their own enterprises. They would rather uh, be dependent. I don't know if it's, 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 it's a system failure or it's more... Um, about looking at something that is going to secure me right now type of mentality. Well, if if you think about it and you divided it into two choices, I would think most young people would say, well, why the hell risk everything to starting up a business when 90% of startups fail? Yeah. Rather take the money and run effectively. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, it's um, it's 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 it, it, that that's the mentality, and I, I don't mean to be prejudiced in any way, but I do think uh, it is to a large extent a failure of our education system. I mean, if you look at our country as a developing economy, we need more entrepreneurs as opposed to office-based people, purely because if we're developing, we need people that are going to be innovative and come up with new ideas. And you look at agriculture for argument's sake, uh, the whole value chain. You eat about three three to about four times a day. But if you are to go into agriculture, not many people are interested in actually developing entrepreneurial ventures in that space. But, I mean, you go to countries like Australia, the first world countries, you go to America and so on, they prioritize that sector because they know without agriculture, the nation goes hungry. So South Africa is currently grappling with uh, promoting people with maybe university degrees and qualifications as opposed to maybe being on the drive to inculcate, you know, that culture of entrepreneurship that is required, particularly in the rural, you know, um, settings. You're sitting with the problem of migration from the rural setting into the urban setting and you just see shacks mushrooming because... People believe that if they get close to this, you know, city life and big lights, maybe that's where the opportunities are. But to be quite frank, it's the opposite. It's it's rather disturbing that uh, 
our president refers to small businesses being the savior of South Africa's jobs with entrepreneurs creating up to 70%. Yeah. And that's just not happening, is it? No, 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 it's not happening, sadly. I mean, you're looking at a, at a high failure rate. In, you know, 60 to about 70% of startups, they fail in their first three years uh, you know, of, of, of operation. And I wouldn't, you know, maybe blame government and say, well, government is not doing enough, but government is largely uh, to be, you know, maybe criticized, you know, to a certain extent, because in South Africa, there is more inclination to support, um, you know, social grant recipients as opposed to those that are supposed to be economic job, as opposed to those that are supposed to be creating employment opportunities, i.e. your entrepreneurs. They are subjected to paying exorbitant amount of you know tax to start up a business. You must register your business. You must get a business plan going. You must have a bank account. You must disclose disclose to SARS uh, with without having not even made a cent. But somebody who seems to be unemployed, they can just go to the post office and produce the, maybe their ID, and and they are rewarded to say, okay, here's something for you. My, I just sit and wonder, but why couldn't the same kind of approach cause differently for those that are starting up youth to say, if you're youth, you've graduated, we are going to exempt you from paying tax, we're going to exempt you as you start up. Let's give you 24 months, you know, to obviously navigate your way through uh, this entrepreneurship journey. And then from there, we can, government can possibly look at uh, maybe taxing, uh, you know, these, you know, entrepreneurs after 24 months of operation, not right away. But it's certainly, it's not the case. And, and, and it becomes expensive to do business in South Africa. And, and, and I think I've advocated this in some of my articles that I've written before about how can we make a small, you know, do, you know becoming an entrepreneur slightly cheaper than what it is currently. You mentioned the word sadly, sadly could apply to the fact that we have an amazing group of entrepreneurs in this country, and that are the women in the townships who actually make a living selling essentials. Correct. And their children should have seen them selling essentials. But again, if, if it's easier to finish with the courses that you're doing, and walk into government, what is the incentive? I think um, the incentives are not there. That's why I use the word sadly, because I am of the view that if you establish a business as an entrepreneur, looking at the status quo, I mean, in our country, we're sitting with an employment rate that is raging between 35 to about 36%, which largely out of that percentage, 60% of the unemployed is the youth. And that's alarming because it, 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 it tells you one thing, that if the youth, is, is, is so many number of them are unemployed, you're sitting, with, you're sitting with a ticking time bomb because these people can revolt against the system at any given time. And, and what's the situation would be? If you look at the just the snippets of what happened with uh, you know July Andres that occurred, I think last year it was or the year before, majority of people that were there were actually youth because the youth is not engaged. 
and, and to find a way of engaging them is to probably look at how they can be incentivized for starting these businesses. Yes, they look up to their moms, but they don't look up to their moms with a great sense of pride. They look at the sense of feeling sad because when these mamas are selling along the streets, nobody gives them attention because they are informal traders. But sadly, informal traders are the biggest contributors to local economic development. But because their, their businesses are not registered with uh, CIPC, they're not in government's databases, nobody really gives them the attention that they deserve, i.e., they are supposed to be given you know, a shelter, be connected to internet, be able to lock up their goods or whatever what, that they need, lock them up and get them organized. I always try and look at the example that they have in a place like Croatia, where they call it a market square. Like, for example, if you drive down Oxford Street where Kentucky Fried Chicken is, there's a square there. That square, in my view, is supposed to be dedicated to informal traders. Maybe you can say one side can be dedicated to youth. You've got the vegetable vendors, you've got meat vendors, and all what have you. These people can be trained on hygiene. They can be trained on how, you know, you know small things like bookkeeping and all whatnot. But they're not going to get that type of support unless their businesses are formally registered, which to an extent you want to regulate, but regulating them is creating, is throwing a spanner in their works because they say, oh, hang on, if I'm registered, I'm going to be severely penalized. They would rather be transacting cash and not do anything that is going to go through the bank or be registered. We're sitting with a gold mine just north of East London, yeah. which is cannabis, and hemp. Yes. And it doesn't seem to get any traction. We talk a lot about it, but nothing is really happening about, with it. Sure. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a big thing. I, I, I think this whole cannabis thing, it's, it's a laugh, and I'm, I'm, and I'm smiling as I hear the word cannabis. You know, I remember growing up in the trans sky because that's where I'm from. You know, Dacha, as it, it was called at the time, it was something that people grew in their gardens. But then at the time, it was criminalized. If somebody grew Dacha in their yard, you know, it was viewed as the, a criminal activity. But now, because there's a new twist, that actually people can benefit, you know, out of this thing for medicinal purposes and all whatnot. But I think skills is a thing because, you know, okay, you can take this herb, but how do you process it? the production so that you get to the end product. I think that's where people are found wanting. Conceptually and ideologically, it's there. But the question is, how do you then process it to become a final product that you can either export or you can take it to, you know, to the market? So skills for me is, uh, is, 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 my, is, is my biggest concern. If you were suddenly the president of South Africa, which sectors would you concentrate on for job creation? A low-hanging fruit for me is tourism. Tourism caters for, you know, whether you're starting out or you have retired, creates that opportunity for you. It's, 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 it's relatively inexpensive to start. That's tourism number one. Agriculture will be number two. Manufacturing will be number three. Uh, those uh, sectors are huge. I mean, if you look at tourism... You get people, a huge number of people that are coming into our country, um, you know, on, a, on an annual basis. If you look at the tourism value chain, 
Um, there is so much that you can benefit out of. You're somebody that is a historian that is well knowledgeable about your, your area. You could be a tour guide. If you are somebody that is very knowledgeable when it comes to issues of culture, you could also share, you know, culture or maybe, uh, you know, commodified, if you want to call it that. If you are somebody that is in a strategically located area, you could always accommodate those people and offer simple things such as how I can get people experiencing, you know, the local foods and all whatnot. If you are somebody that's good with your hands, you could do souvenirs and, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, such as um, people that make mipato. You know, you will not believe that mipato, traditional attire is made in China. Yes. I mean, <laughs> you know, Chinese are teaching us how to make traditional, <laughs> you, you know, attire, you yeah. know. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I'm saying we're probably sleeping on the gold mine. Uh, so that's tourism. And then you get into agriculture. I think I've touched on the agriculture if you look at agriculture, uh, you're somebody that farms sheep, for argument's sake. You know, when you farm sheep, Don Marino, you, you get the, you know, the wool out of it. You can use the skin. I'm not even talking about the actual meat that we enjoy to buy so much. Yeah. There's a high level of, um, you know, meat consumption index. It, it, you know, for us African black people, we are, we're sitting high up there. But when it comes to farming, we sit right at the bottom. A big disjuncture. Then when it comes to manufacturing, you look at how even a vaslap or the towel that we use to wash what cloth, we're importing those from China and Pakistan. Yeah. And those are the things that we are supposed to be producing in our very country. And I liked it when the president said, everything that must leave the country with this new BRICS arrangement, it has to be produced, procured, and exported from here. So those, for me, are the three sectors uh, that I would concentrate on right away. And, of course, find a way of how construction can be regulated. And it being regulated, not so much concentrate on giving people tenders, but concentrate on how these materials that are required in construction, people can learn to actually produce. Yes. <clears throat> Bricks, you know, understanding mining sand. Where is the you know manufacturing or plant where cement could could be manufactured? Where can uh, timber from start? You've got forest. How many people can get involved in, in into the timber business? How many people can get involved into manufacturing roof tiles and those kind of things? As opposed to saying, well, we've got a list of SMMEs that must come and tender for work, and we call them entrepreneurs. No, they're not entrepreneurs. Yeah. They're not because they are not involved, you know, in, in producing this from value chain. I made an example of sheep that you eat uh, th- out, you know, three times out of, you know, growing uh, that lamb mm-hmm. into, a, you know, when it's, it's it's big enough that you can, you know, sell it. Yeah. Part and parcel of people for meat. You've got the skin. You've got the wool. And they do it in Australia. And it's a big country, and they do it in America. You know, why are we not doing it? Climate is on our side. We have everything going for us in South Africa except perhaps the will to make it happen. I can't agree with you more. Um, and, and, and for me, I think that the, the biggest thing that we need to do in our country is really change the mindset of, uh, you know, a sense of uh, entitlement. We've got government that is in place, therefore this government must give us this. No. 
it's got to be what it is that we can do, you know, for our country. It's because ultimately, if we don't in our, in our in our small segments, different communities where we can come together and discuss entrepreneurial, uh, you know, opportunities that we, we might have, nobody's going to come and save the country. As I indicated in our last breakfast meeting, nobody's going to come and save our country, but we. As South Africans can put our heads together and look at how best we can package and and, and in our country and 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 and, and, and look at these uh, entrepreneurial opportunities. Thank you very much for talking to Dispatch Live. I hope all your students pass and yeah. uh, they all become <laughs> Elon Musk's of the future. <laughs> Thank you for your time, Professor Sia. You're welcome, Ted. Thank you very much for having me. And I certainly hope that we, could, we can have these engagements um, every now and again to hopefully one day um, say out of this kind of engagement, maybe there will be one or two people that will venture into entrepreneurship. It's about time that we move away from the comfort zone and try different things. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers.